Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. For another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys bring a scurry report for Way of the Panda and a five-minute initiative for high society. That's it. That's all I got. And welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. We are ready for the summer. This is episode number 145, Nothing But a Good Time by Poison from 1988. I'm Tony. Wow, you are excited to be recording tonight, it sounds like. Well, of course I'm excited. I'm always excited to be recording. I mean, and that was Marty, by the way. It was. Well, why wouldn't I be excited to record? I mean, we got three awesome reviews lately not one stars but we got five stars <laughs> okay <laughs> for context in our last episode we um reviewed our first one star review and maybe people felt sorry for us but we got a a lot of five star reviews which we super appreciate and 100% honest, we did not do that as a passive-aggressive way to try to get people to go write reviews for us at all. We just wanted to have a little fun, and it was fun, and people seemed to like it. But we do thank you, uh, those people yes. that went out there and gave us a review. That that really meant a lot. Yes, I agree. I appreciate them going out there, taking their time. Because unlike me, now I'll write a good review. I just won't write. Well, I take that back. I do write negatives. I wrote a terrible review for our sky bell on the house. I, I blistered that piece of crap. Oh, really? On Amazon? On Amazon. Yes. The people need to know about that and how pathetic it is, how bad the video is, the connection, all of that. I was like, this thing sucks. And Donna missed her window to return it. And I'm like, so we're stuck with this lead brick? And she says, yeah, I'll, I'll work on it some. So, I mean, if you're going to be a porch pirate on my house, go for it. We ain't going to see you. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have never heard that term, a porch pirate. Yeah, they go up. I, I don't know where I heard it. but well, I know what they are, but that's a brilliant name for that. I just never heard that term before. That's great. Yeah, go up. Arr, there's a package here. One thing we don't want to gloss over real quick is the name of this episode, because we do have an ongoing contest going on. This was a nothing but a good time by Poison in 19... What, Tony? 1988. 1988. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, we, we are running a contest right now. The past four or five episodes, all titles of the episodes are pointing to something. It's clues. The titles, the bands, the years are released. There, there's a clues here. And uh, follow along. And the first person to get the answer to the puzzle, which I still don't even know, uh, please go post it in our guild. We do have a thread going over on there right now at 1589 where people can start making their guesses. And, and Tony will be keeping up with those. So uh, just let you know that this is still part of that contest. Now, Tony, yes. were, you, were you ever into hair bands? Was I ever into hair bands? No, I don't have enough hair to get into hair bands. Well, you know, from, from the 80s, the poisons, the, the, the uh, Motley Crues. Uh, Def Leppard, Scorpions, etc. Oh, yes. Scorpions, Def Leppard. Now, more in the music than anything. But yes, yes, yes. I enjoyed the um, 
hair bands, as you say, from the 80s, but that's about the only thing that was coming out back then. Even <laughs> yeah, Guns N' Roses was a hair band. It, it was. And in the late 80s, when MTV used to still play music, I remember they had this thing called Headbangers Ball, uh, where they would play a lot of yes. these bands, but then they became like the top 40, and that's that's all they played. So obviously, I wanted to you know, uh, find a little bit of trivia on this particular song. There's really nothing there. <laughs> a lot of the hair bands were pretty much just hedonistic. They just wanted to drink and have women. There, there is nothing deep to their music whatsoever. I don't know if you realize this, Tony, that the album this song came from was called Open Up and Say Ah, which is, you know... A wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge. Oh, they're not talking about dentist? But here's the thing. They had to change the title because the original title of this album was going to be <laughs> Swallow This One. <laughs> okay. That's that's a title right there. They should have stuck with it. Oh, when you think of all the songs those bands came out with, like Girls, 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 Cherry Pie. I mean, they were all like... Okay, these guys just uh, want to get a bunch of groupies and, and, and get into that. And it really reminded me of uh, Spinal Tap. Did you ever watch the Spinal Tap movie? I did. I never made it to the end. I did watch it. Oh, okay, did you ever hear what the name of their album is going to be? Because it reminded me of this. Their their album is going to be called Smell the Glove. And uh, it had, uh, basically, it was a very uh, suggestive cover that the, that the producer or publisher got upset about because it was a, a woman on all fours smelling a glove. And they said, you, you can't do that and they were upset about it well behind their back they went and just changed the album cover and just came out with a solid black album so do you remember mm-hmm. the scene when they got the black album and they were discussing how black it was no so oh. I, spinal tap has been a long time ago i'm sorry you're dealing with me again i know for those who don't remember <laughs> i'm gonna play it david smell the glove is here hello Jim. beautiful Classic. Does look like you know black weather. You can yeah. see yourself in both sides. I would yeah. feel so bad. It's like a black it mirror. So bad. Yeah, it it's is. Like, well, I think it looks like death. David, it looks David. like morning. Every, I mean, looks... every 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 movie in every cinema is about death. Death sells. I but think the... he's right. There's something about this that, that that's so black. It's like how much more black could this be? And the answer is. None. Spinal Tap, one of my all-time favorite movies. Just to from those may- people that made Waiting for Guffman, uh, Best in Show, uh, uh, Mighty Wind. If you've never seen any of those movies, I highly recommend going to see those. I, I love each and every one of those. All those movies kind of shot in documentary style, and they're parodies. They're, they're really good stuff. I wonder if that's why I like the part in uh, Pitch Perfect with the um, talking about the various acapella groups. And the, when the, they're just going back and forth, I, I get that same sense from that movie. Uh, it's the same guys that made Spinal Tap. They make all these other movies too, and they all star. It's the same people that star in each one, which was really good. They actually released one on Netflix called Mascots. It was mm-hmm. okay. It wasn't nearly as good as their older stuff, but still, if you haven't seen Best in Show, that's the one I highly recommend uh, to go see. It was basically a documentary of a dog show. That is a good one. Yeah, I did see that one. I did watch all of that one. That's uh, I've I've uh, watched that many 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 times. Hey, 
You are not in Charlotte right now. I'm actually talking to you in a hotel room down in Orlando, Florida. And we had to, how many ways are we connected right now, Tony? I think we're connected through a Google Hangout on your phone for the audio and through a Skype connection over your work laptop for video. That's right. We had to do that so that we could save the battery on my phone. Now, I will say I'm down in Orlando at the wrong time of year. I am here in May when I should be here after July 4th for work. Or during July 4th, that that uh, entire week. True for, for the Dice Tower. But the problem is, as I looked into this and trying to figure out how to do a meeting down here for the group I'm, I'm trying to represent, I come to find out that, you know, most people are on vacation that week. Oh, that's true. Hey, that's all right. I do have a question for you, though. Right now, you posted a very interesting poll uh, in our guild at uh, on Board Game Geek, where you're talking about breakfast foods and hotels. So my question is to you, what kind of breakfast foods do you have there? Well, that, that's what prompted it because, you know, like I said in the guild, uh, 1589, for those of you who are not members of our Board Game Geek Guild, to go out there and please register because we have busted 1,500. <laughs> right now, they had this vanilla yogurt this morning that was, oh, that was awful. No good mix-ins. <laughs> It was terrible. But we did have, and someone mentioned this, I was very surprised. We had biscuits and gravy, or we had bacon or cage-free eggs. Now, I can understand that eggs don't need cages. It's not like they're going to get up and run away. <laughs> okay, that's, that's touche. Just plain and simple. And then, of course, the assortments of like bagels and egg McMuffins. No donuts, no danishes, none of that stuff. And, of course, little bowls of cereal, Frosted Flakes, and all over there. And that's really all it is. And, I mean, you know, I'm just like, and you said, you want the waffle machine. I've been traveling a lot for work. I haven't seen a waffle machine in a while. Well, I guess, which hotel are you staying at? I'm at a Hyatt place. I typically stay at a Hampton, a Fairfield type mm-hmm. place. And it seems like every time I go to one of those, at the particular ones I stay at, they have them. So I love those waffle machines. Everybody know those machines where they basically have a cup and you fill it full of batter and you go pour it in the iron. And then you sit there and it says, close it and like wait for two minutes. And then after two minutes, it buzzes and you flip it over and you got something they would call a waffle. That's right. And with nothing to pull it off the hot metal plates. That's my favorite part. Well, they're supposed to have the little forks and tongs to take it off. And don't you love it when people don't spray it? And then it sticks. There's some etiquette to using the waffle machine. So if, if you don't know the proper etiquette uh, for using it, then please don't use it. Hey, while you're in Orlando, um, are you going to do anything special board game wise? Oh, I'm going to try to get over to the um, non-sponsor of the RDTN. You know, Miniature Market is our sponsor. Correct. But I will try to get over to Cool Stuff Inc. Whoa, and see if, um, no. Yeah, that's that's what? A, we shall name that we shall not name. Okay, I'm going to try to get over to this really big, not big store, but big distribution for board games, uh-huh. and see if they have board games on Wednesday night to play. Hopefully that'll work out. Because, like I said last time I was down here, I went on Tuesday night, which was Magic Night, which did me no good, which caused me to play uh, First Martian, and then my phone died because uh, the Ignacy app just ate up my phone. But back to waffle machines. <laughs> Somebody's going to be at a happening in, ha, happening. It will be a happening in because somebody's going to be at Origins in a couple of weeks. Uh, yes, we will. Well, I will be at Origins. I guess what, whatever date that is, June, middle of June. And uh, mm-hmm. in fact, if you want to go and listen to 
the latest Secret Cabal Express, which came out on uh, May 23rd. I sat in with Rodney and Jamie, and the main point of discussion was Origins and things we're looking forward to and games we're excited about. So you can go hear our Origins preview there. But yes, I will be there, and please uh, stop by and say hi uh, if you see me. I'll take some dice. We'll give away some dice uh, while we're there. Probably have some moon piles. We'll, we'll do s- something. But Tony, since you're not there, we're not doing like a, a meetup or anything. We're, we're saving that for Gen Con, which... We're still diligently trying to work on. Yes, we are. If anybody knows of a good parking lot where I can rope it off, please let me know. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of almost what we're down to now. We're trying to come up with a way to do our second annual strike tournament. Uh, So that is in the works. It's now just finding a venue because the venue we had last year was too small. And uh, we're kind of in, in a twi- in a tweener stage right here, Tony. So we, we, we're going to try to make this work out. And and we're still, well, I, I say I, you're the one that's doing all the lab work, making all the calls and everything. So hopefully we can get something done. Hey, if it ends up that we're in the middle of the park and we and we have to do that, we'll do it. We're, we're going to make the meetup happen at Gen Con. And I'm very excited for that. I mean, if I have to camp out, I'm used to that because you and I, we just celebrated our eldest, my only, graduation from college. Woohoo! What's that have to do with camping out? Well, I got to spend three nights in my in-law's RV. Well, that sounds like fun. It was on Lake Hartwell. I was only two hours away from Simon and all the festivities going on oh, down there. I hated seeing all that stuff because this is the first oh. year I haven't gone in Gosh, like four or five years. And I, I was watching that. I was seeing it on Instagram, on Twitter. And I'm like, you know, guys, I'm only two hours away. If y'all want to just kind of migrate up to the lake, the lake is beautiful. And come see me, please do. And I was just like, I looked at Don. I said, you know, maybe Saturday morning, maybe I could drive down to Atlanta, take part for part of the day. She goes, I don't care. Oh, I know. And that right there was don't even think it. Oh, that was the I don't care, meaning you had better not not be really I don't care, I don't care. Yeah, she she said I could do it, but I knew better. You know, that's one of those life choices that you're like, do I really want to spend my cred then? Mm. Because ha- had I done that, we would not have gotten to play a game we're going to review tonight. Yes. Yeah, my in-laws came up to town and then I would have had to have paid it forward or paid it back or paid it somehow. Well, yeah, I think the game that you're talking about, Tony, is also a Simon game that's coming out uh, the end of May. Well, actually, it may already be out now, Way of the Panda. Way of the Panda, that's right. You can get it pre-ordered on Miniature Market right now. And unfortunately, this show will drop after their big 5% off sale. But that doesn't matter because does if you not. go to because if you go right now to miniaturemarket.com slash RDTN, you can get you a code for 5% off. That's right. And we, we're going to stay on them this time. We're not going to let that sucker expire. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, they're doing like a sale uh, at the time of this recording, 5% off the entire site. And people are like, oh, no, I don't want to miss it. With us, you'll never miss it. We're always going to try to make sure that we have that 5% off code for you to use. And again, you can always go to it. It's on our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Click on the link, the Miniature Market logo, and it'll take you there. Or you can just type it straight in, MiniatureMarket.com slash RDTN, and there will be a code that you apply on checkout for 5% off purchases. 
excluding pre-orders. And I think that should cover the commercials. If we were to mention a broken token put together, we would have pushed all the commercials at the first of the show. <laughs> well, except for the part where you said Ignacy's uh, app drained your battery. Well, you, yeah, I think they fixed that. Or my, actually, my phone sucks. So it oh. nothing to do with the app. Okay, okay. So I was going to bring that all the way back. All the way back. I'm trying to bring it all the way back, but due to my... Squirrel memory. I don't remember what I was going to bring it back to, so I'm going to take it to my next item. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> so I got all excited. Yes. When I found WKRP on Cincinnati on the MeTV channel. I was I was like, they're, they're, they started it up. Oh, no, I don't get that one. So that's cool. I know. And I, of course, got to I, one of the ones I recorded was the baseball one which is actually them playing softball one of my favorites yeah and so i watched that one and then i kept watching them and i was like wait a minute now i know when they released the dvd and we've mentioned this on previous shows they had to cut all the music out because of royalties correct and i know they re-released it with some of the music in it so i was like i started paying attention even the steakin reruns on me tv don't have the music in them what can, can you can you think of a, sp- a particular episode where there was a particular song that needed to be there and wasn't? Uh, yeah, uh, Mike Fright, where Johnny Fever got scared of the mic when he told everybody to go dump the garbage. Yes. On the steps. Well, he's playing all kinds of songs during that when Bailey's in there talking to him. So he's mentioning that, and he's playing all these records, and all of a sudden, it's all this generic instrumental stuff. I'm like, really? that is nowhere near right. Yeah, I'm like, this is nowhere. So I was like, this cannot be right. And it wasn't. I'm so su- I'm surprised that uh it, because it's a network TV channel that they can't play the uh, original as it was. I don't understand that, Tony. The entire basis of the show is built around a a radio station that's that's being converted over to rock and roll and rock and roll songs of that period are integral to the entire show. But they were did they did play Jennifer Marlowe's uh doorbell, uh Fly Me to the Moon. But that doesn't have words or anything, and so I guess in today's times that doesn't count. Uh then I'm really curious on the uh the one episode where uh Johnny Fever's listening to Pink Floyd's animals. Oh yeah, the dogs barking and Carlson comes in. Carlson says, Do you hear dogs? And he goes, I do. I mean that's pretty integral to that scene if they can't use that one particular song. Well, I stopped recording it because I'm like, I just don't want to ruin what memory I have of it. So that's it. There's there's no way to watch the originals anymore, it sounds like. Unless that one DVD that was like $80, $90 that had the music in it. If you ask me, did it age well? Did it age well? You know... Some of it did, some of it didn't. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, why don't we just remember, uh, as as God is my witness, turkeys can fly, you know, the softball episode, the, the garbage. Let's just stick with the classics and just remember them as they should be remembered. I'm actually okay with that. Unless I can actually find the original versions, I would not want to watch it um, any other way. And from my standpoint, Donna didn't really care to watch them. And I was like, okay, so I got to watch these on my own. So I'm done. That's it. Over. So what are you going to do in the meantime? Well, I hope to play board games. Speaking of games, um, I got to play this really hot game that everybody's been going crazy about. Have you heard this game called The Mind? I have. I I saw it and I understood it was by the same people that did The Game. The Game, yeah. uh, Same thing. So Rich uh, Summer from Cardboard Cast went over to Germany. And he sent out a picture saying, hey, I'm going to pick up a copy of this because you can't get it here in the U.S. yet. 
So I said, hey, Rich, buddy, won't you pick up an extra copy of that? So he picked it up for me and he, and he sent it to me because I wanted to experience this thing. This thing that everybody says is incredible. If you haven't heard about this, the mind consists of this. It's a hundred cards numbered from one to a hundred and a couple cards uh, that has a, a life a life cards and a throwing star cards. Tony, here, here's the entire gist of the game. You're trying to get from level one to level 12. At level one, I deal you a card. I take a card. And at that point, we can no longer talk or communicate with each other. We cannot give any indication of what numbers in our hand. We can't talk. We can't tap on the table or anything. And the goal is to stack the cards in the middle of the table in ascending order. So if you have a lower card than me, I hope that you will take the initiative to put it down first, then I'll go on top. If we succeed, we move to level two. Each of us get two cards and we continue and try to go all the way through level 12. I brought this out to Vanessa. Didn't think it was going to go over very well at all, but she really enjoyed it. It's one of those things after a while you kind of get in sync. Like we got up to level four, level five. And uh, like right when you start, like maybe I said I had the two in my hand, we'd say start and I immediately slap the two down. Just to make, you know, just make sure I got it down before she had maybe had a three. And then there might be a pause. And then we're kind of looking at each other. And so maybe I pull out one and, and start going towards it. And she may have this look in her eyes. No, you better not. And I pull it back. So it's this little game, almost telepathic game. You're trying to get back and forth uh, to, to make sure that you stack the cards in the right order. If you if you don't, you, you waste a life. And if you ever run out of all your lives, then the game is over. But uh, I've only played it with two, but everybody says you need to play it with a lot more. So I'm really curious to get your take on it. Okay. I'll give it, hey, you know me, I'll give anything a try. And then we held hands. Uh, what was the other one? Fog of Love? The eight. Oh, no. Uh, Fog of Love. I'm trying to think of the games that we've played where you had to do that communication. It was when we held hands, was it? Wasn't it? You know which game I'm talking uh, about. I know, I know exactly which game you're talking about. Yes, when we held hands. Yes. So how did it compare to that? Uh, we liked it way better than when we held hands. We didn't really, okay. really get into it because they tried to make uh, when we held hounds like hands like this existential game. It was just kind of a little puzzle game, uh, but this mm -hmm. one is again it it uh, it's, it's quick to learn. So a lot of people will say this isn't a game; it's an activity. Look, it's got rules. There's a way to win. There's a way to lose. It's a game, but it's a very simple game. But so is you and I blowing up a balloon. And I'll say, Tony, uh, don't let this balloon hit the ground. Let's see how many times we can go back and forth. That's a game in a sense. And that's kind of what this is too. It's something that you sit down and do to pass the time. That's what this is also. And it sounds like it'd be more fun than some of the past games we've played. Again, I'm, I'm curious to get your take because it's not really the social deduction game. There's no player elimination. And, to, and I know that these really bizarre social things you don't may not get into. So I'm curious to see how you, you like this. Well, I, and I downloaded, when I downloaded the Quicks app, I got the game for free. How do you play that with people? On the app. I don't know. I was playing it the solo version. Oh, okay. And I was like, eh, I'll, I'll have to try this with someone because other than that, it didn't really grab me. Okay. So yeah, I'll be interested. But what I really took away from this is you had someone in Germany who was picking up German games. Yes. And there are games over there, rolling rights, that I would love to have over here. Well, I didn't know. What well, I supposed to do is say, hey, Rich, here's a whole list of games. Can you get them for us? Oh, I don't know. We posted something in our guild, guild number 1589, <laughs> and, uh, uh, about a, a Bonanza game that's over there. Oh, that's that right. Someone I said, forgot about that. Was it Warful Bonanza or something like that? And it's got yes. like a squirrel. And it's got the, no, it's got like the two old men in the balcony. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We did want a copy of that. 
Dang it. Yeah, uh-huh. If anybody ever is ever in Germany and has a copy and get a copy of that game, uh, uh, we'd like to get a copy of it just because of the box cover. And I've heard it's a fun game, too. Now, I will be later in the year. I'll be over in England, which is not near close enough. No. But who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe um, some, some of the UK listeners can help me out a little bit. Maybe um, we, we may know a few people. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe get somebody to mule one for you. And I'm happy to report that after an unsuccessful play, a flam rouge with Donna got it back on the table and she really enjoyed it when I put the mountains in there. So flam rouge is the bicycling game. And uh, you said you played it before, but you didn't. The mountains add this whole new mechanic to it where it's it's harder to get up a mountain. But when you get on the top of the mountain and come down, it's it's easier to coast. So the way you use wow. your cards are totally different. How'd you like that? That was some deep thought. But when you go down the mountain, it's easier. It's like you can coast or something. I don't know. So anyway, so she liked it. Oh, yeah. She liked it a whole lot more. And Rebecca enjoyed it. And so it will definitely be on the table again. So I'm excited about that because I was because they did fall flat and that was even with the six players. And unfortunately, I'm like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have brought this one out. But that's going to lead to another discussion we'll talk about later. But more importantly, yes, you made me play at International Tabletop, a game that I can understand why people say it's irritating. Uh, Magic Maze. <laughs> Well, whatever that noise is. Oh my gosh. You need to do something. No talking. Magic maze. You got to find your way out of a, uh, whatchamacallit, out of a mall. It's it's weird. Basically, you're playing as like a rogue, a warrior, etc. And you're trying to get out of a mall as you try to collect your items. But each of you have roles. Like um, some of you can only move up and down. Some of you only can move left and right. Some of you can only use escalators. And the thing is, though, you don't control one particular person. You can move anybody on the board if you can make that legal move. And so you you basically try to work everybody to where they pick up their, explore the map, pick up their weapons, and, and leave. But the kicker is, is when you, you, you need somebody to do something for you, there's this red metal dowel that you're supposed to stick in front of somebody, kind of let them know, hey, um, I need you to look over the board and do something for me. But it goes from being that just polite put in in front of somebody. Do you take it and you just start wrapping it on the table? Like that's going to make anybody figure out what it is quicker. Now, if you could wrap it right where you they need to look, that would make it go a lot quicker. I, I, that's one I talked to my family and it didn't. It did not go over well. I think you have to have the right group <laughs> and not somebody that'll punch you in the face when you sit there and wrapping that little dial in front of them. But uh, I, I enjoy it. But it, it, I can see where it would get annoying with the with the wrong type of people. I mean, I didn't mind playing it, but I could say, all right, I've played it, I've done it. Let's move on. I would play it again just for the fun of it, especially, you know. If I'm sitting there with someone who I know would be irritated by that, but this is definitely, there is no way this game will hit my table in front of Donna. There is absolutely no way in H-E-L-L where this game is going to come out because I could just see that little item being in my nose (laughs) near the end. There's, There's no way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah so that's one i i it was on sale at uh gosh oh amazon had a big sale amazon always has a big sale it was a it was actually self-international tabletop day uh for that week mm-hmm. so I, I got it then so hey it's gonna stay in my collection i i enjoyed it five minute initiative begins in three two 
one. Osprey Games has just re-released Reiner Knizia's High Society, and this is a bidding game that I've heard about for a while, and I got a chance to sit and play it, and I come to find out I really enjoy it too, especially for something that's so simple. In this game, everybody's got a deck of cards of different denom- of denominations. They're like at 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 25. The goal of the game is to bid on cards that are going to be drawn from a deck in the middle of the table. Most of these cards, uh, there's a range of 1 to 10. The goal of the game is to win as many of those cards you, as you can and get the highest number of points. So if a card comes out, say it's a 4, somebody will place a card down in front of them and say, I want to bid, and it puts down that amount they want to bid on. Then it goes around the table, a clockwise order. Everybody has a chance to up or exceed that bid. If a person passes and they say, I'm out, they'll take any cards they've bid, put them back in their hand. It continues until one person is left. That person discards those cards. They can't use them anymore, but they get that card as a reward. Flip over the next card and continue. But Tony, there are three cards in there that you really, really don't want. That's right. You've got cards that can cut your score in half. You've got a card that makes you get rid of one of your good cards. And so what you're having to do is when it comes time to bid on those, you are bidding not to get the cards, which to me, Marty, was probably one of the more confusing parts of this game where you had to immediately switch gears in your thoughts where you're like, oh, wait, do I want to lose? No, I want to win. So I don't have to take this card because... Because I got so confused on this that I even took the card when I didn't want to take the card. (laughs) So for me, this game was interesting enough to where I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this game with you. But I do not see where this game would be a hit anywhere else. Because if you got people who can... What? No. If you like to count cards or you got people who can remember all the cards, they're not going to enjoy this. My wife hates it because I'm able to memorize which cards are being played and therefore she doesn't pay enough attention. This game will never, ever be in my collection just for that one reason at all. You didn't say how it works, Tony. The cards that you don't want, the first person that passes has to take that card, but any cards they bid with, they get to put back in their hand. Everybody else must discard all their all their cards they bid with. Right. So basically, if you don't win that card, you're throwing away money cards that you might think is important at the end of the game. And over the course of the game, there's four cards that have green backgrounds. One is that half that cuts your score in half that you don't want, and three two-times cards. Once those four are revealed, you make one more round of bidding, And then the most interesting rule in this entire game, which I just love and sell it, once the game is over, everybody reveals how much money or how the total amount of cards they have in their hand. Whoever has the least amount of money is eliminated from the game. That one rule right there is so flipping cool because now you just can't overbuild on everything. you got to be careful. And maybe, Tony, that's where the counting cards comes in because maybe if you can keep track of who has what. But what happened at the end of us when when a four-player game, it was like, Oh boy, I really need that card. And it's like, Tony, how many cards you got in your hand? Three. Crap. Nate, how many cards you got in your hand? Two. I went, hmm. Okay, well, hopefully he'll still be the lowest and allow me to bid. These little mind games are then going on at the end of the game. And then finally, when you reveal and see who's eliminated, it could have been the person who actually has the most points. That right there is the selling point, Tony. That's what makes this game so flipping good. Okay, for you. It wasn't for me. I don't get it. How do you not like it? Do you not like bidding games? Uh, Yeah, I I liked for sale, but this game to me, this isn't holding my attention. I was not that thrilled by this game, and I'm sorry. I'm sure that you enjoyed it. Yeah, sure, I'll play it. But once again, I'm not going to own it. I don't need to own it. So what can I say? Somebody asked me which I liked better. I like this game better than for sale. 
I think it's easier to teach. It's quicker to play. And it really creates this interesting tension at the end. Okay, look, here's the thing. This is a very inexpensive game. It's only 20 bucks. Uh, you can get it, you know, again, uh, for our uh, miniature market for uh, $14, $15. And you can also get 5% off miniaturemarket.com slash RDTN. I highly recommend trying it. Tony, not a fan. Me, a fan. You play and decide for yourself. It's out now from Osprey Games. Five-minute initiative is complete. One of Portal's biggest games coming out this year is Detective, a modern crime board game. And Ignacy has come out with this really unique concept where you're working together to try to solve a mystery and have kind of any amount of resources at hand that you can in order to, to solve the crime. Right now, it's currently on pre-order. And as with all of Portal games, anytime he does a pre-order, you have these incredible pre-order bonuses with additional cards and components and everything. If you missed the 51st state pre-order, you missed like a deluxe edition of that pre-order. So if you have interest in this game, I highly recommend going and pre-order it now. And you can go to portalgames.pl slash en. He has a link on his front page where you can go pre-order it. It'll be coming out this summer. Again, that's portalgames.pl, and this is for Detective, a modern crime board game. We're excited to have Nate and Mark back on the show for another episode of the Scurry Report. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks, Marty and Tony. Hey, guys. And the reason why we've had you guys back is because the last time that we had a Scurry Report, we talked about Council of Four. It's being released by CMON. And we just recently played another CMON Euro game called Way of the Panda. So we kind of want to contrast these two games as these two games are coming out at the same time. If somebody's looking for a good Euro coming out from CMON, we can talk about the differences, what we liked, what we didn't like. Right out of the box, when I first, or not right out of the box, outside the box, when I first saw Way of the Panda, it's very deceiving what this game is when you look at the box cover. Because there's like cute pandas on the front of it and it's called way of the panda so i wasn't expecting anything that was going to be very think those are actually kind of like teenage mutant ninja pandas oh that's true it's, it's, <laughs> it's like it's like uh was a kung fu panda right uh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what they From remind Disney. me yep, of yep. yeah so a little bit of a spoiler alert both of these games have minis <laughs> and they're cool they're cool minis right so each faction has uh like three main minis there on the board of the big minis a warrior the monk and the governor and each of those is completely unique sculpts for each faction. And then you have a base of your color. So you have to kind of... Well, it's a base of that of type. That type. So, so the, the monks, it up. Yeah, the monks have blue bases. The warriors have red. And the governors have green. So if I'm looking for my governor, I have to remember the governor is green. And look for my gray green guy. <laughs> you got to right. look for the big gray guy with the green base. How hard is it? I mean, come on. There's another big guy, but he doesn't... Yeah. You're right. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, I will say the last time that we did a report and we went three or four minutes into it without hearing from Tony, that was because he was very sour on the game. And now we have not heard from him in a few minutes. I'm just waiting for y'all to get through all this component crap and rule crap and we can get down to the likes and dislikes. Plus, uh, plus you didn't introduce him. You were like, we're here. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> he's already been talking on the show forever. Yeah. Yeah, well, but you, you've done scary reports without me and I wasn't there. So I was just what, waiting to say. It was just what? Was it one? One what? Scary report. No, I did you've without done you. multiple. Well, uh, this, oh, another reason why we want to do a scary report because Nate is expecting okay his wife is expecting a baby within the next week he's going to add a meeple yeah i'm adding a play tester to my group we wish you the best whenever this happens because we you know things can but we wish you the best and we hope everything goes well and then you are done for another month so for another month i don't want to hear any crap now about not getting lord of the rings rpg on the table because now you've taken that away so you marty can't say another word about i'm done with that so no, we'll get on let me tell you how this is going to go. Nate's like, look, guys, I'm going to be out for probably about a month. So in about 17 years, Nate, <laughs> Nate will show back up and he'll be like, okay, are y'all ready to game? Yeah. <laughs> is this still a thing? Like over the horizon, some guy hey, is going to come in a stroller and he's going to have <laughs> yeah. like a big, big bushy beard and gray hair. It's like, who is Who's that, that guy? Yeah. Hey, guys, oh. let's, let's play this new Hobba game. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, Nate. No, no. Trust me. He's having a girl. So, Tony, me and you will be getting calls from Nate long before 17 years comes along. I'll need a posse. That's right. (laughs) Then he'll be like, this teenage girl, I don't understand. How do I handle this? And we'll both shrug at him. And then he'll... Tell mom. (laughs) That's all I I need. So, So back to... Yeah, so we wanted to squeeze in one more scary report before Nate took a little bit of of an absence, and we thought this this was a good way to do it. So, wait, wait, wait. wait. One more thing before we dive into... Oh, my God, he's talkative tonight. One more thing before we dive into this game. How many beers did you have tonight? No, no, no. One more thing before we dive into this game. I have to tell you about my favorite flavored iced tea. Oh, no, no. Have y'all been to QT? We've already been nicked on this. No flavored (laughs) iced teas. I thought that was what we were supposed to be talking about. We (laughs) can. Because only one flavor of iced tea. As was talked about on the last episode. Yeah, sweet and you know that you just you just mango right. black with this. tea from QT is good. Okay, mango black. I've I've had that one. It's not bad. Or the peach tea is not. Bad. Okay, so we did get off on a, on a tangent. So right off the bat, what would you say genre wise this game even is? So I'll jump in here. Uh, you alluded to it before. Despite the cover and the name and the cute pandas, this is a solid medium heavy Euro game. It is. It could be comparable to. Lignum. Um, oh, that you think it's that heavy? I do, but we didn't have to destroy any pandas like That's we had true. to do saw blade. I was not going to go there. <laughs> I was going to leave it alone. Okay. Yeah. I would. I would compare this uh, in the Mombasa, a little less than Mombasa. Lignum. Interesting. Uh, somewhere in that Euro range. So, despite the minis, despite the cover, despite the pandas, this is a pretty heavy Euro game. It's Heavier than. Uh, compared to Council of Four and Lorenzo El Magnifico, two other games from CMON. I would say definitely heavier. One level up from both of those games, maybe two from Council of Four. Two levels up from maybe. Council of Four. And maybe 10 for fun fact. <laughs> Wasn't going to go there. <laughs> okay, you can see right off the bat, this game was a little bit more accepted than, than uh, Council of Four. So again, what would you call this? It's got a really cool action selection mechanic. It's not worker placement. It's not 
Well, I guess it is a limited version. It's a different version of worker placement because uh, each of you have, are they called, actually, are they called workers? Guards. Oh, they're called guards. They, and you have this action selection, really cool action selection board over here that has that consists of five rows and uh, four columns. There's a column for each of the different uh, c- uh, characters, the monk, governor, and warrior, and then a neutral. What's cool is is uh, each each of the rows has a certain action points that it's going to cost. The first row costs zero points, and the bottom costs five. I said there were five rows. I guess there are actually six because zero to five is, just math. is six. Five, it's a zero-based counting system. Although one is zero. A little bit of computer yeah. there. Um, so anyway, so whichever row you put it on, it's going to cost you that many action points. The gimmick, well, not the gimmick, or the, the unique thing I like about this game is is that you all must, always must place your guard to the right or below an existing guard that's already been placed previously in the turn. Right. Well, it's just a re-implementation of the up the river, but you can't go down the river thing, right? Right. Okay. I mean, exactly. we've seen the yeah. same thing in Agizia from, from a long time I've ago. I've never I don't seen even that game. think y'all have played that game. And we've seen it in, was it Marco Polo? Uh, no, it was Francis Drake. Francis, Francis Drake. Drake. Yeah, yes. We've seen it in Which Francis we loved. Drake. Yeah. So it's just a re-implementation of that. And I really like it too. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, I think we all agree. The worker placement part of this, which is a separate board into itself, is definitely a highlight of the game. It's definitely worker placement. So I define worker placement as like anything where you put a dude on the board to define which action you're taking on your turn. That's really good. Uh, And this is a modified worker placement because it does have that escalating action, but it has a lot of the same worker placement things you're used to. If you put a worker on a place where a worker is already placed it's going to cost you more mm-hmm. there's some efficiency there that's really cool but you are competing for spaces uh and and that's really fun that really drives the game how many times were we like oh god you took my space and the only reason why we were doing that is because when you did that and you had to escalate the number of workers you put there you knew that it would later hurt you for another mm-hmm. action you want to take it didn't block you from being able no. to take that action it's just that it cost you one extra worker then to put it out there that you were already planning on to do something else later in the game and, and right. you knew that the economics of the actions as you moved down there were already hurting you could you afford the loss of placing that worker because you need to get that worker on the board so you can recover the action points. Yeah, there's really two resource mecha- uh, resources working on this board. One is the action points, which you accumulate and use each round, and the actual workers themselves. And I love how they tied those together because uh, people are going to place workers until everybody has uh, passed for that turn because they have no more workers to place or more action points to put out. You gain action points by the number of workers you placed on the board. The more you can place, when you get those back, you'll get one action point per worker that you placed i really thought that was a a cool mechanic too so you want to try to maximize the number that you get out and tony like you said that's when somebody can really screw you up it's like i've got only one left i need to get it out and somebody put down some other spot that you wanted to go to and now you don't have the workers to go there so you may have to pass with one worker left in your pool but it also keeps you from jumping to the bottom of the board if you want to take quick actions because by putting out just one worker and you spend four action points, you're sitting there, that's a one to three. Do I really need, or I'm losing three here because I'm not going to put them back on there. And you can't go backwards. So if you jump down to the bottom of the board, you can't go to any space before that. And for me, that was the highlight of the game. That tension between action points and the number of workers that are out there. We didn't mention your workers are also placed on the board to claim roads. So there's some tension points there. Balancing those kind of two or three things is, to me, 
like the most fun and most interesting part of the game. Oh yeah, because when the workers are out on the road, you can't put them on the action board. Therefore, you can't get the action points. So you need to move your guys to be able to get those off. Because once you've got enough guards down on the road to defeat the ninjas, you can then place a tile to claim that road. Well, you made a reference mm-hmm. to the, the other board, which I haven't even talked about, which is basically a map. And it consists of a lot of roads that are that are joining up to like little little city icons on the board. And between each of the cities are little uh, ninja, uh, little black ninja people uh, on the board that you uh, must be able to defeat when you move from one location to the other. Because the whole goal is to be able to build buildings on these locations, which generate victory points. And each of the different types of characters uh, create different buildings. Buildings. For example, the, the monks make gates, uh, the warriors make um, bagodas, sure. and uh, the uh, markets for the governor. Markets for the governor. So each one of those can make each one of those uh, places. So when they're sitting in a location, there's one spot on the action selection board that allows you to build one of those. And when you do, you get victory points. And as VP of VP, Mark Kell, <laughs> vice president of VP, how do you win this game? Uh, you gain VPs. Which, um, by the the way, I didn't do. (laughs) I don't know how I'm the VP of VPs. Well, just because uh, you wanted a title for this, and I gave you a title. It's really, yeah. Yeah, But but whoever has the most victory points wins. Yay! But there are two main ways to get the victory points. One's by building, but also over the course of the game, uh, there's places where you can uh, get tokens that apply to each of your characters. One of them builds up your strength, and their strength is what you're needed in order to defeat the ninjas, but you also have uh, quests for each of the different types of roles, warrior, monk, etc. The more you get of those of each, the more victory points they generate at the end because the strength is a multiplier of the number of quests that you've achieved over the course of the game that's added in total at the end. That's the thing is, okay, we get that this board is He's pointing placement. to the action, action selection board because okay. yeah. this is not a video. This yeah. is not going on our YouTube the, channel. The action selection board is worker placement. Yes. Right? And our player board is yeah. set collection. Oh, right? yes. Okay. Nice. Yes. That. Yeah. Okay. I'm having a real hard time with what's happening on the main map board mm. because is it area control? Not really, Not really. Because all the areas are communal, right? Yes. Is it dudes on a map? No. Mm, you're not really so fighting each other. You're not really fighting each other. You're just moving people around. So how do you really classify what we're doing on this map? That's your that's your victory point board. Yeah. That's yeah. all that is. Right. It's, it's the way to gain victory points. Yeah, and that's not obvious at first. When we first sat down, we're thinking about area we're we're looking at this map and thinking area control. When we first placed the initial setup, I put a dude in Tony's area and he's like, Hey, get out of my area. But it really, this map is all about victory points. And the way you get victory points there is a little complex. You actually want other people's guards to be around your city. And when you construct those buildings, those guards are impressed by it and you get more victory points. So that map is definitely just a victory point map. It's a couple of different ways to get victory points. That's a very good point because I was over here kind of doing my own thing and putting my guards on roads and then building cities, but I wasn't getting bonus points from that. And then like Tony came over here at the end of the game where I had all my cars guards and built one of the buildings there and generated tons of victory points because he got one victory point for every guard that's surrounding it that isn't his right and then i didn't even realize this but then later we started capitalizing on having those roads complete because when a road or every road around a city is completed and all the ninjas are dead 
you get points based on how many guards you have around that city. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually started added up in the late game. And that's actually another uh, resource management that you got to think about because uh, when you travel and you're able to exceed the strength of the ninjas out there, you must leave one guard on the road behind. But what happens is, is once all the ninjas are gone, whoever has the most ninjas of that particular color on that road uh, will get to place, uh, can place one of their little uh, guard tokens that indicates the number of guards that were on that road and put it down on the uh, board and take their physical guards back to be used later on the game. So the guards are used not only for the action selection mechanic, but for also taking over the the roads between each of the locations. Yeah, and that was something I really found interesting. You know, when you move along a road, you actually are kind of making that path safer and easier for other players. So there's definitely another tension point there in terms of like contesting those roads. Oh, I, I don't want to move over there because I'm going to put my first dude down and I'm opening it up for Tony to move in and claim that road I've paid the path, but I don't get any points for that. That's not bad because then if I come in and take the road, then you can then rethink your strategy and say, all right, well, I'll go in there and place a, a market, a pagoda, or a temple, and I'll give points off of my guards there. Yeah. So I help you come in there. Go ahead, take that road. You go ahead, and then I'll come in there and steal those points away from you when I build the city or any of the other structures there. Yeah, and you can see as we're talking, we're like countering with layers of depth to each other. And mm-hmm. that's where I think this is really the medium to heavyweight Euro game. Like, I mean, we've, we've just talked about roads for like five minutes <laughs> on layering on strategy of, Oh, but then you can do this. And then, Oh, but if you do that, I can just do this. Right. That's part of what really made the, the map, the victory point portion of this game. Awesome. And each of the roles do something totally different. For example, the warrior, it's a lot easier to get his strength up to defeat the ninjas. Whereas the monk takes a lot longer. He's not really good at uh, fighting. Uh, but uh, what he does is, we're going to figure out what the benefit of the monk was. He can bounce around. And that's what I realized about 60% into the game is that with the monk, you can pick him up. And then you can put him somewhere else, and then you can build his temple. And his quests tokens are easier to get than the other places' twi- quest tokens. Right. So yeah. some some uh, the the quest tokens for the warrior is a lot harder to get, but he's easier to move around. Right. So it's a it's a nice little balancing act between the three roles. And the final column on the board is a neutral column. It takes two workers to activate any of those, but you get to take that action for any of the workers or champions on the board. But one of the things that I didn't realize early in the game, like the first turn of the game, I made an early mistake in that I only put two of my workers out thinking I was doing good by kind of going ahead of everybody else. But then when the end of the round comes around, you pick those workers up and that's the number of actions you get for the next round. So the next round, I only got two actions. Mm -hmm. So that really hurt me early game. And that's where putting these acts or taking these actions that need two people or taking an action behind somebody can actually be a good thing to do and not a bad thing, which as Nate and I talked about earlier is counterintuitive because you think you're paying something, but you're actually not. You're investing for your future turn. So here's something that uh, Tony said you you were worried about and you talked about the, the depth and the layer in the game that can tend to have AP. Did, did we, I don't know that we suffered from AP any more than any other medium to heavyweight game. I mean, what do you think, Tony? You're very sensitive to the AP thing. Uh, there was definitely AP. I had some AP even near more towards the end, which I expect because you're trying to maximize your points than at the beginning. But yes, because you're sitting there trying to worry about 
where you're going to place your guys so that you're not going to be hurt later as the turns progress. But I will say this, we were all able to think through our plans, our actions, while other people were taking theirs. So it wasn't as bad as it was in that game that shall not be named. (laughs) Well, look, I came in last in this game. It's not near as good as Council of Force. (laughs) It's all luck. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's all luck, Council of Force, skill. (laughs) So, you know, just get off it, Tom. The only thing that seemed to mess people up is is when you you had a worker to get ready to go into a place and maybe the person before you took that place and was like, great, now it's going to cost me an extra worker that you thought I'm going to need that extra worker for something else later on down the road. So that's where I tend to get the AP was when somebody stepped on my toes a little bit and I had to change my uh, strategy a little bit. We didn't mention the other thing that uh, can generate victory points is in we played the expert mode of the game to where there's an in-game objective, a random in-game objective, and a random end-of-game objective. So during the course of the game, there's some uh, cards up there that says, hey, if you if you do this, you're going to generate some extra points. Or if you have this into the game, you'll generate some points. So that was other things that would help maybe drive the strategy of the game. And in fact, it did for me. I looked at the end of the game objective, and that was kind of my focus from the beginning of the game. And it actually helped me out in the end. Yeah, that's what I actually we looked at it and winning that bonus mandate won you the game. You know, we talked about this just a little bit already, but I'm surprised that those um, expert objectives are an add-on that you is optional for a medium to heavyweight Euro game. I I don't know. You know, if you're already playing this game, you should play with the bonus mandates that expert level. Uh, it adds that uh, a little bit of extra flavor and something to a goal to try to achieve. And I, I can't imagine playing this game without those. But you may not want to work toward that goal too much. No. Right? Yes. Yeah. But, <laughs> and this, I'm sorry, I was going to say, and that bit us because we just finished Council of Four, where it's like, ooh, work towards those big bonus points. And Nate, you jumped into that first one pretty early and committed to it. Yeah. And you actually spent a lot of time. It took more time to do it than what you thought it was going to do. Yeah. For the amount of points, I think I gained 10 points, but the amount of action points and workers I put into that, it, it definitely was inefficient. I, I was almost singularly focused on that. And, you know, uh, let Marty win. But Man, I can't believe it. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that it really, I don't think it, it let him win. I mean, <laughs> no, it was, it, I mean, if, if you look at the board, yes, you would have beat him by two had he not scored that. And if I had, it would have yep. tightened things up a little bit more. But I mean, but it was very tight for that end game bonus. And we were all sitting there Well, I've got it. And I'm like, do you? Yeah. Oh shoot! You got me by one. You right. know, but had I recognized that Marty had only had me by one, would have gone and tied him, and I don't know what the end game of that would have been. I would have played that last point. Basically, the bonus mandates in this game seem balanced. They're definitely not too much points. Maybe don't get singularly focused on them like I did. Again, I could not imagine playing the game without those. Those were interesting. We fought over them. They're random each game, so makes yeah. each game different. And also the the board at the beginning of the game, uh, the way there the, it's seated with some. Build- Buildings at the beginning of the game, that's random each game. So there's a little bit of variability at the beginning from that and the uh, the mandated uh, quests or the bonus mandates at the beginning. Yeah, one thing we haven't talked about that was kind of a surprise maybe mid-game is with your three champions, you're leveling up their strength and the quests that you're trying to complete. The tokens for those are limited. And so there's really, a, Mark, you mentioned the set collection. That's a limited amount of tokens that you're collecting. So it's basically a race. If you're trying to go to the warrior and I'm trying to go to the warrior, yeah. um, you know, you better you better invest in that or I might beat you to it and run you out of those tokens. And, and it also affects, uh, because like the warrior is the only one that can take out four ninjas at a time. So I got to... Uh, 
in a situation to where I couldn't get my warrior up to that point so that at no time could I go through four ninjas unless somebody helped me out. So it made a difference there that there again, you didn't realize until you were halfway through the game. For a medium to heavyweight game, do you think this game is pretty easy to teach? I mean, if, if you have experience with games, it really wasn't that hard to learn, was it? I didn't, I didn't think it was. It's not hard to learn, but one thing that is a barrier to entry is the action board, action, uh, the, the worker placement board, the action board. It's got 24 spaces on it, mm-hmm. and you have to know what the symbols are. The symbol, symbology, I thought, was very good. So once you get once you kind of learn what they are, it's not so bad. But the first turn or two is going to be a little rough. You're going to have to learn those symbols for sure. But I did think they were, you know, once you take that first or second turn, they're pretty intuitive. And the length of time it takes to play, I don't know, it says 90 minutes. Four players is probably two hours. Yep. Yeah, that's about <laughs> where we're at. I don't think it, so. It took us two, two ten, hours tonight. Two, two hours, ten, ten minutes. minutes? Yeah. 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 On the first play. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. If we played it again right now, I bet you we could do it in 90 minutes. Yeah. I bet we can't. <laughs> All right. We're on. Yeah, no, Let's go. I'm going home. Let's bet a sweet tea. <laughs> I'll, I'll take you up on that. No, this, this the there's there's way too much. You're going to have too much AP. I don't. I will always, when, when you told me 90 minutes, I'm always doubling any game. That's just, even on the first play, makes it, makes it a little bit more. I know we didn't hit the three hours no, we that didn't. I predicted. We didn't even come close. I'm sorry. I've, I think He we, tried. We tried. <laughs> you tried. No, I didn't <laughs> try. I wanted to try. On that last turn, I was, yes, I was taking it. Just, I don't know. I, it, do, I think we moved along at a pretty, pretty good pace. And I think that's probably a reasonable for any game pace. Because, like Tony was saying, he AP'd at the late game. I AP'd more in the early game because I was just like, what am I going to do? Where's this going to lead me to? And so that kind of got me thinking. And face facts, with Nate taking as many points as he was at the end of the game, you and I specifically hurried towards the end so that we could stop it. No, that's true. There are three conditions that uh, will end the game. Uh, There are six, these nice, really cool city tiles. You can build... Uh, each of the uh, buildings on one location and then it converts into a city and then you can build those cities again. So there's this nice tile for putting uh, the uh, the components into. There's six of those. Five of them get out, triggers the end of the game. If two of those are completely filled with three more of the buildings, that ends the game. And the other is if all the buildings are on the board, then that's also going to trigger the game. So there's three triggers. And Tony, like you said, when Nate was running away from us, both of each of us were going, holy crap, if we can just get two more city tiles out on the board that will trigger the end and that's kind of what we did yeah and i i, I want to comment on the end game i really like the end game in this game it wasn't a surprise it was close we were close to meeting all three of those end game objectives so that you know it was fairly well balanced in terms of what drove the end game i i don't know some some euros i feel like the end game is sort of a detriment how you reach that and this it felt very organic very elegant and I think it was, you know, I like the in-game condition. Overall, for the quality of the components, it's a C-mine. You're going to love the components. You're going to love the map. It's very easy to see. As far as other things that I liked about this, I love the action board because everything was right there to help me generate my victory points, to remember what I needed, and to be able to correct people when they did the wrong thing. That was fun. No, you can't put the panda there. You got to put it here. Very simple. I like that. And I mean, it was all straightforward, laid out before me. For me, this game can hit the table anytime more than the other game. Definitely more than the other game. You've had fun and this is it. I've had fun. I don't know. This is almost there. Yeah. (laughs) 
not for, I mean, and, and everybody knows me who listens to the podcast that if a game drags out two hours, I'm already getting antsy. And that's just who I am. I can't help that. That's the way I am. This game is going to go there. It is going to be two hours. But did I feel like it was two hours? No, but I thought we were going to hit the three-hour mark at the beginning when we had our action issues, when we had our AP at the very beginning. Why but are you we were looking running. at me? <laughs> because you were sitting beside me, and my head was against a chair, and I was like, oh, good God, pig. <laughs> so lots of times with Euro games, you know how it is at the end of the game, it's like, all right, let's calculate victory points, and there's like a five-step process. Take the number of resources, and if you got, you get one point for every three of these, blah, blah, blah. This was super simple. For each of your guys, you took the number of the uh, strength tokens that you had times the number of quest tokens that you had, added those to your existing victory points, and that's it. Yeah, and especially for a game, uh, this is pretty close to a point salad game like a field where you know most of the th- actions you're taking are going to net you some points. Our scores are in the 150 range, well, except for Mark. Mark, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, you're scoring 150, 170, 180 points. Uh, if you're as good as we are, and (laughs) challenge accepted. I I would say that in the next game, that's not going to happen. I guarantee you the next time, we're not going to let people build up roads like we did in one area. We're not going to let someone suddenly morph or warp their monk down into an area and let him be able to start taking advantage of victory points. That is really going to change. So I think our victory points might even drop. They I'm not going I'm not going to let you run away with it. Circling back to that, I do appreciate that out of 170 points, the in-game scoring bonus was maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 points. I think Marty had the most with like 50 points and the time it took to score those in-game bonuses was like 30 seconds. Yep. But like you said, it's a race to get those victory points off your hero boards. And poor Mark, he was shut out. As soon as that happened, and we were, you know, you sit there and look at Marty getting 48 points off of the victory board. I mean, when you were like, well, forget this. I can't handle that. There's no way I'm going to catch that. At that point, I would, if I had been Mark, I would have said, forget this and just, this game's done. I will say that is a downside. So this is a medium heavy Euro game. You're here for two to two and a half hours, maybe 90 minutes if you're really quick. You can definitely play poorly and maybe be out of the game. You can lose that race for the tiles for your champions and sort of, you know, ha- not have many actions. If you don't put enough workers on the action board early, you won't get many action points the second round and that can hurt your engine. You can work your way out of this game and that can be a deficit if you have a casual gamer or a gamer who doesn't know what they're getting into with Way of the Panda. All right, so this game's coming out from CMON at the end of the month. Guys, I mean, do you recommend this is something that uh, people would like? I would definitely recommend it. I I have really enjoyed playing it even though I didn't do very well, uh, but I think that was due to a, a bad start. I think it's uh, like a next next step above like Gentis or something like that. You think it's heavier than Gentis? Yeah. Oh, I do too. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Tony's, do you feel that? Yes. I would say yes. I suck at Gentis. So. <laughs> and you won this game. <laughs> and I won this so, game. So yeah, like, this must be easier because I did okay at it. Um, all right. So everybody's going to give this a thumbs up. Uh, that was a lot different than Council of Four. Uh, we were all very kind of weary of some of the things. No, we weren't. Not all of us. Three of the four of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is a game that, uh, again, it's going to be out the uh, end of uh, May. Make sure to look for it in your local game store. Or you can go to Miniature Market, uh, where they're going to have it. And uh, you can go out to miniaturemarket.com slash RDTN 
and look for a promo code and maybe get a little bit uh, cheaper. Nate, good luck, man. Uh, you're going to be a dad soon, and we uh, hope this isn't the last time we have you on the show. I'll be back soon, but yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks. We've already been talking about Miniature Market because Miniature Market is a fantastic place to go and order and pre-order your board games with con season coming. There's going to be a lot of brand new games coming out. You can go and see what the prices are going to be before they come out. You can pre-order those to make sure that you get them. Or if you wait until after they're out, you can always go and use our code at miniaturemarket.com RDTN to get 5% off. And Miniature Market is one of, if not the largest online retailers that sells games workshop products. They're one of the only ones. So make sure when you go shopping for your latest games and miniatures to do so at miniaturemarket.com. All right. One thing we forgot to mention in, in our talking about the way of the panda. Marty knows me. I always have buyer's remorse whenever I buy a game, don't I? Uh, yeah, you do. I, even if you're thinking about buying a game, you have buyer's remorse before you buy it. I mean, it's kind of like I was on my flight to get here. We're getting ready to get on the plane, and I get this text. Did you back the omen? Oh, crap. Is it over? I forgot about it. Oh, man. And I'm sitting in the airport. Thank goodness that my flight was almost delayed because I sat there going back and forth. Thirty dollars don't want to spend it. I mean, we had such a fun time playing it, and and I really want to back it, but and I do it. Which level do I want? How much money do I want to spend? So, going all the way back to the way of the panda. Well, hold on, stop, stop, stop. Hold what? on. What? I what? sent you that uh, squirrel here. I sent you a text asking if you backed it. You said, Marty, I'm going to back it. I was just double checking, and now you're telling me that you may have decided not to back it without telling me. Well, see, I wanted to back it, but then, like I said, I forgot, and I've already plowed this ground, but when I'm sitting there with my finger hovering over the back button, my mind starts racing and saying, are we going to get to play it? Will we play it? Who am I going to play it with? Is it really worth $30? Is there something else coming out that I could spend $30 on? Did you only get the $30 version? A good friend of ours said, do the $30 one. Just go ahead and do that one, and then keep researching, because you can always up the pledge. Are you sure you can up the pledge? Because they, I heard that two of those expansions are real, or one of those expansions are really needed. And according to your friend who you told me to contact about this, he said, no, you don't. Okay, well, I'm glad you did because if you'd have come back, yeah, I'm already decided not to get it. I would have plunked down 30 bucks. Because remember, we made a deal. You backed the Omen and I'm going to back Lincoln. And Lincoln's more expensive. You were supposed to buy the more expensive thing because I'm going to buy the more expensive game now. I'm pretty sure I can go up to the $48. I don't need... There was one expansion that really didn't trip my trigger. So, But I, who knows? I may go to it. But then again, I got to look at other things. That, oh, there's just so much goodness out there. And that's fine. What are we talking about? Way of the Panda. That's oh, a $60 yeah. euro. Oh, well, it's actually MSRP at $74.99. But you mm -hmm. get it in miniature market for... $59.99, and you can always get 5% off that if you want. So this is a, I don't know, Tony, I would say that most, a lot of euros now are probably in that $50, $60 range. Uh, maybe they're MSRP, $50, $60. But I mean, this, this is a CMON game, so you've got the quality components, you've got the miniatures. 
But like you said, if you have, potentially have buyer's remorse, try before you buy. You know, don't don't drop sixty to seventy five bucks unless you know that you're going to like it. Um, it is a medium to heavyweight euro. So anyway, now we know the price. We just want to bring that to you as another decision point to make after you know you heard our discussion in this curve. From my standpoint, I'm looking at it from a standpoint. I always go back to it and I think about remember that time when video games hit that fifty nine ninety nine mark, and you yep. and I were like, "Oh my God, sixty dollars for a video game." Well, I think we're there with with board games now, right? And it's the quality of the components. As long as the components are there, I'm good with it. And I cannot wait to see that game again on the table with the painted pandas. They went, no, 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 no. You can't paint them. How do you know who's who? The stupid rings on the bottom. The rings are generic. That just tells you the type of model that it is. Did you not just listen to our report? And I just remembered that. But yes, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> you should know because you paint them like they're the, the, the form, the pose. You can make it. You can figure it out. You're intelligent. They're interchangeable. Who cares? Uh, guess what? Uh, speaking what? of our uh, of uh, Kickstarter that you went on a tangent on a little while ago that you almost didn't back that I was going to get upset because we wanted to play The Omen and our friend who let us borrow that game, Mark, from the Score Reports, now upset because he's never played the game and now he wants to play it, but now we're going to be able to because you backed it, but even though you didn't get the expansion and you think we just need the base. <sighs> There's another yes. Kickstarter that's going on right now that I really want people to check out. This is from Zen Bins. Zen Bins are the people that make... Uh, it's the, oh gosh, I'm sorry. See the vacuum form or injected molded uh, containers uh, for organizers for board games. Like I had the one for Star Wars Rebellion that it's absolutely one of the best inserts I ever had. It's easy to set up. Uh, it's easy to, to take up, put down. It's very light. Uh, he also uh, made one for Star Wars Destiny, which I used. He's coming out now. And I, lo- I love this idea. I can't believe somebody has done it yet. Of just basic deck holders. These are clear cases for holding cards uh he has two a couple different sizes one for like the small cards and ffg games you know tony the little smaller cards like an arkham horror mansions of madness mm-hmm. and the regular like uh, magic size a little bit uh larger size cards and they're just basically just plastic holders you you put a, a deck in there it has the little ridge in the bottom so if you depress one side of the deck you can easily get your thumb underneath the other side and take them out what I love about this, Tony, is you know, a lot of times uh, you buy games, Z-Man games is notorious for this, where there's no insert, right? Right. So you ended up buying bags and throwing all your cards in bags. Well, for a, a pretty inexpensive price, you can now buy these little deck containers for putting the cards inside those. And uh, you just take the top off, shuffle them and put them back in that little holder. And you can actually, you know, draw from the top of that deck instead of having to take them out of the container. It's It's simple. But sometimes the most simple ideas are the most ingenious. He has some prices that he shared with me, but they aren't firm yet. So I'm not going to say what they are, but I'll tell you this. If it's right in the range of these prices, this is a really good deal uh, for these containers. And to be honest with you, Tony, I'm just going to probably buy a handful of these just to have in a drawer somewhere. And then as I get games, I'll just pull them out and start, you know, putting the decks inside of those. It was it's a brilliant idea. I really need to do it for like the Eldritch Horror games, which has all those really small cards and the Mansions of Madness. That's really where I need them. Okay. So when you do, just tell me, go might as well order for me too, because I already know six. I need six. For what, what, what game you need it for? Well, I took the insert out when I put uh, Palatine in Flamme Rouge, you know, the expansion. Yes. I, I have no insert in there. So the cards without a rubber band, which just freaks you out for some odd reason. It does. This idea, when you when I saw the email, I was like, okay, for me, this would be perfect. I can put in six of those for the various decks for the players. And just give those out. And just hand them out. Yeah, see, it just has it, it has tons of uses, man. It, it, oh, yeah. it really does. So 
uh, assuming you won't get buyer's remorse when I buy these for you, yes, you and I will place an order, and I'm just going to order a bulk of these things. It's it's a great idea. Again, it's Zen Bins. The Kickstarter hasn't started as of this recording. If it does, by the recording comes out, uh, Tony will put a link in the blog post, and we'll for sure share it on Twitter, so make sure to follow us on D- Dyson Names. Yeah, yeah. And I had another idea, because this happened to me, too. Yes. But, like, my Marvel Legendary. Oh, Yeah. I pulled that out the other day because I ordered, um, when Fun Again was closing, I ordered an expansion to it, mm-hmm. and the cards were everywhere. And even though there's dividers in it, it's supposed to lay down, and I had stood it up. And those cards are everywhere. I would I would rip that organizer out and put those in there in a heartbeat. I don't know if you noticed, but the, the cover or the lid to the card, the case, it kind of snaps in so they ain't going to go uh, open and flat all over the place. He sent us some examples of how it's being used, and he had his examples like being used for magic decks or CCG games, which is is fine for if you just want to put your deck in there instead of a regular deck holder. But for me, it's going to be personally used with inside the board games themselves to help organize uh, some of these games. And Tony, you just has some perfect examples. So that's Zen Benz. Look for it now currently on, on Kickstarter. I've tried their other products, incredible products. Uh, I like what this, um, what they put out. Tony, it sounds like you and I will for sure be buying some. How's that Star Wars Destiny thing doing working for you? Boy, it looks like uh, we're about out of time. No, we can talk about that if you want. (laughs) Okay, I apologize to anybody I talked into buying Star Wars Destiny. Uh huh. I got yeah. I got rid of all mine, so I know. I understand. That's okay. I just noticed that there's been a whole bunch of Marvel Dice Master releases recently too. I'm like, is that game still going on? I'm sure it gets a lot of fun. I'm actually interested in the Warhammer uh, 40k version that comes out. Supposedly, it's not going to be blind boosters; just a set. Well, that's nice. And the reason why is because my son, Travis, is really into 40K, and we thought, oh, I wonder what kind of character is going to be in there. So I don't know. I might check that out. But yeah, yeah, the, the the Destiny thing. Destiny was a good game, but I should have known Marty never do CCGs again. Just, just don't do CCG. I'll tell you what you can do. What can I do, Tony? You can take some names. And keep rolling dice? See, I reversed it on you there. So yes. I was actually kind of prepared for it this time. I'm proud of you. You did good. So definitely keep rolling dice and taking names. We're about halfway through this year's Pod Pledge campaign. If you'd like to contribute, you can do so at podpledge.com slash RDTN. And make sure to check out all of our levels, which could give awards like t-shirts and our mason jars and dice, or at least consider the $10 pledge where you are automatically entered into every contest that we run. Again, that's podpledge.com slash RDTN. We are happy to announce that we've added one more to the scurry. That's right. Nate Bivens is the proud pop of a baby girl. Well, I guess that'll be the last story report we do for a while. TheBrokenToken.com The place where you get all your organizational needs. You don't need to go to a closet store or a special storage place. No! You can just go to TheBrokenToken.com You don't have to go to Walmart and look for Plano boxes. Just go to thebrokentoken.com they got stuff there that you didn't even know you needed for example acrylic holders for flying units say you have an arkham hara expansion and you want to show the flying bat wingy things going around the board they've got a holder for that or they've got the newest acrylics for terraforming mars one of the favorite games that you know is on your shelf that needs exactly the venus expansion but the Broken Tokens got you covered because they got the acrylic stuff for you as well. But if you really want to drop some K 
cash. Look at that Rising Sun Organizer. Oh my heavens. But with all CMON games, you want to protect those miniatures. So be sure to go check out thebrokentoken.com. Thank you.